Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I can rejoice today. I can have hope today in the fact that there's a time coming where all this broken today will not be broken where I'm going. Amen. It's only true for the believer. So if you're not saved, this is not true for you. For the non-believer, check this out. Whatever you're experiencing on earth, this is the best it will ever be. That is true for every non-Christian. So whatever earth is like, you know, I've heard people say, I, this is hell on earth. Oh, brother, you don't know what hell is. What a powerful and peace-giving truth it is that all evil on this earth will be done away with when the Lord returns. In today's message, Pastor Bill will celebrate with listeners as he teaches through the triumphant victory over Babylon. As believers, we can rejoice being on the winning side of this battle. On the contrary, we want no part of everlasting life without God. This passage should inspire us to carry the gospel message to all who have yet to believe in the name of Jesus, for eternity is at stake. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. As he begins his message, praise the Lord. So Father, we come before you. We ask that you would speak to us, reveal more of who you are, what you want, what you love. Reveal more of you to us today, God. Speak to us through your word. May this time be uh, supernatural. May it be beneficial. May it draw us close to you. May it cause us to, to hope even more in you, Lord. Have your way in this time. Meet us where we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. We're going to cover today Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And I titled the message, Praise the Lord. And uh, we'll see as we get into the message uh, why we titled it that. It's one of those phrases in church that you hear all the time. And sometimes phrases that we hear a lot can lose their meaning. Amen. So you can hear something so often that people people kind of just say it and don't. I think that can happen with church phrases. I know some people say hallelujah and they just say it so much. I'm like, do you just think about what you're saying when you say just some people use words like that as filler. You know, I know some people pray like that. I don't recommend. I know, but some people pray and they're like, as they interject at every pause in prayer, some churchy word or whatever. And so today we'll learn about these words and what they mean and how important they are. And why we should praise the Lord. We have much to praise the Lord for. So let's catch you guys up. Chapter 18 ended really the judgments, the, all the judgments that were God was raining down on a Christ-rejecting world. As we come to chapter 19, we kind of get a reprieve. For you guys that have been like, man, we've been, we've been seeing demons diving and bombs bursting. And this, you know, today... We get, to, we get to praise the Lord. We get to see the heavenly scene. We get to see the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so things are kind of looking up now. We're, we're, we're almost to the end of all things. And so I want you to note the first three words of chapter 19. It says, and after these things. And that's letting us know that we're entering into a new, it's a new era, a new situation. We saw the same phrase, if you guys remember in the earlier part of Revelation, Chapters two and three of Revelation represented the church age. How does the church age come to an end? What takes place with the church? The rapture, right? We're caught up to be with the Lord. The church age is over. So after Revelation two and three, the church age, when you get to chapter four, the first three words of chapter four are the same thing. 
after these things. And then we get chapter four and five and we get the church in heaven and we're singing the song that only the church can sing in heaven. And then we start making our way through uh, the seven year period and we get through the tribulation period. We've ended the judgments and now in chapter 19, it opens up with after these things. So that that part is gone and now we're moving forward. Then verse one says again, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. And so John is speaking here and he says, after these things, so after all that was over, last two chapters we dealt with Babylon coming, you know, being destroyed so that that satanically led world system. We looked at religious Babylon and we looked at the commercial Babylon. All those things have been torn down. And John says, after all of that, I heard a loud, and again, John's the scene is heaven, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia. We're going to see that word four times in chapter 19. It's interesting, but all of the New Testament is only used four times in this very chapter. And so we're going to look at why that is. So we should pay attention to that. This word is just right here. So why is the word right here? So I'm going to throw this out and quiz you guys. What is Alleluia? What does that mean? It means praise the Lord. Literally what it means if you break the word down and, and, and its definitions, it's a, a transliteration of the Hebrew word hallelujah. Uh, it's a compound, so it's halal. And I, I'm not good with Hebrew like Pastor Anthony. That's the best I could do. Halal, which means praise, and Yah, which is an abbreviation for Yahweh. So praise Yahweh or praise the Lord. So when someone says hallelujah, hallelujah, they're saying praise the Lord. And it's, it's used two ways. Because in one sense, we're saying praise the Lord, but it's also an exhortation. So it's like I'm I'm saying praise the Lord, but I'm also exhorting praise the Lord. You know, we, like we should do this. Um, and so the word is used here. It says these, this this loud voice, a great multitude in heaven. They're all proclaiming loudly. Hallelujah. I want you to notice the exclamation point. When you see an exclamation point in scripture, it's just like an exclamation point in our language. That means it was not a whisper. Amen. They weren't saying, hallelujah, yay. You know, they weren't doing it under the bed sheets or in secret. This was enthusiastic. Um, this was emphatic. They were saying this to God and they, they were saying it with passion to the Lord. And there's a place for that, right? I'm not saying we always have to be on 10. But y'all know that sometimes we there's a place for an enthusiastic, exuberant giving of thanks to the Lord. There's a place for that. I know in some church circles, it's, it's everything has to be really somber and in control and under control. But that's not what I'm seeing in heaven. In heaven, sometimes I'm like, man, they just they just giving it up. They're just like, man, I'm, I'm throwing off the restraints. This isn't about me. I'm not doing this for my own glory. I'm just I'm just lost in my gratitude to God. And so they're just giving it up to the Lord. I'm, I want you all to know there's a place for that. There's a place for just saying, man, I just want to. I just want to thank God. I want to just glorify God and, and thank him. And so um, they're saying this with a loud voice. John is witness to it. We'll see it four times. I'll explain each time, you know, why they're giving them thanks. But in this instance right here, they say this. Hallelujah. So, you know, uh, praise the Lord. And they say for this reason, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord, our God. And so. If we take each one of those things as believers, 
we can we can join them in this. Right. First, it says salvation. It belongs to the Lord. And so every one of us that has received salvation, we've been born again. Our sins have been forgiven. That's a benefit that's been afforded us because of what Jesus did to us for what he did for us. Amen. And so we can say with them salvation. Lord, we praise you. We say praise the Lord because salvation comes from him. Salvation, it says, then it says, and glory. There's an acknowledgement here that glory belongs to the Lord. And so we want to be careful as, as those that worship Jesus that, are, that we wouldn't give glory to anyone or anything else. All glory belongs to the Lord. Then honor. Similar to glory, but a little different. Honor that God, to him belong honor. These things are deserved. They belong to him for who he is. He is honorable. And then it says, and power. All these things, power belongs to the Lord. It's important for me. In the times in which we're living where, you know, people are, are frustrated with those that appear to be in power. Who does power belong to? The Lord. Right. So we got to be careful. Some 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 of us got to turn off TV or stop listening to the whatever radio station. You just read your Bible, sing praises to the Lord. Hear God say, look, I, all honor, all glory and power belong to me. I'm connected through Jesus to all power and all authority. None above him, none greater than him. And so, again, they're worshiping God for these attributes. Salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord. I want you to note that last phrase. It's they belong to the Lord. What? Our God. Right. This is collective. The all of heaven is rejoicing. The angels are singing it. The people are singing it. Later on, there'll be the, the 24. Every representation of persons in heaven are saying they're, they're, they're able to worship God just the same. And so. In a world that's so divided and broken up right now, uh, again, the church, this is the song of the church. He is the Lord, our God. Amen. We're united under the person of Jesus Christ. He's our God. All of us. He died for all of us. He rose from the grave for all of us. He was willing to save all of us. He's taking all of us to heaven. He listens to all of our prayers. It's our God. And so. They're all saying this together. There's not groups in heaven. They're not segmented off in heaven. They're, at, they're all uh, proclaiming this to the Lord. Then verse two says, for true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. And so here they give another reason for their adoration, their worship, their this enthusiastic praise to God, they said, for true and righteous are your judgments. They're saying, God, we, we've seen that your judgments are true and righteous. I want you to remember that there were people on the earth then, just like people on the earth today, that were wanting justice, right? How many of you guys would agree that there's injustices that happen all over the place in the world? Everywhere you, anywhere you look, anywhere you look where there's a system in place where men run it, you'll find injustice. If you work at Taco Bell, and men run Taco Bell, you're going to find injustice somewhere in Taco Bell. Somebody's getting a break that they're not supposed to get. Any system of man is it's going to be it's going to be injustice. That's just the way it is. And so there's a part of humanity that cries out for justice. Uh, we see terrible things happen. We see people murdered. We see, you know, children. We see the, the unborn taking advantage of. There are other countries where they treat the disabled in a, in a terrible way. And so um, there's so many places where there's things that's, that's wrong, it's not right. And the cry of the human heart is, God, we want there to be justice. And eventually God does 
fix everything. Eventually, there will be justice. Let me say this, though. It'll save some people some headache and heartache. Some of us are looking for all the justice this side of heaven. That's not how it's going to go. So because there's no time, we're in the end of the book, and there's no situation this side of heaven where men stop being in charge. So we may fix some things and we may try to make things a little better, but the, the, what justice is going to reign out when Jesus is ruling and reigning over all things. The day is coming for this. And so here, again, we're at the end of things. They're worshiping God. They're saying, look, for true and righteous are his judgments. Uh, for those that wonder, you know, what, what is God going to do with the, the people that, you know, way off in some other country, the, you know, I, I always hear the pygmies in Africa. Uh, I'm thinking the gospel had to have gotten to them by now, you know, all the people that are saying their names. But, you know, what is God going to do to that people way out in the places they've never heard the name Jesus, you know? And here's what God's going to do with that. What, whatever he does, when we get to heaven, we're going to say with this group, oh, that was right on. That was just and fair. God doesn't just do justice. He is just. It's part of his nature, his character. So he doesn't just do the right thing. God is just. Whatever he does, when we get there and see it, we're going to be like, wow. Wow, that was perfect. Man, you know, God, you, you, you got it. You got it. You, you knew what you were doing. You know, it'll just be just. I think of some scenarios in scripture where, and they're trying to catch Jesus in a, in a bind and he would just have the right things to say. You know, they were trying to get Jesus caught up on the political or, or get him in trouble with the religious leaders or the political leaders. Hey, do we should we give, you know, taxes to Caesar? Well, if you say no, Caesar's going to be mad at you. If you say, yeah, the people are going to be mad because the, the, they were being overtaxed by the Romans. And so Jesus said, let me see a, a coin. And they gave him a coin. Whose picture is on that? Caesar. Give Caesar with Caesar's like. Drop his mic, boom, <laughs> you know, take that, you know. I think of Solomon. God, God gave Solomon supernatural wisdom. And Solomon got put in this bind. This, and this, is, this is an incredible situation. Two women come to him and they say, hey, last night while we were sleeping, she fell asleep and smushed her baby. And now they're both claiming that the live baby is theirs. And there's no way for Solomon to know, you know, these women... I would presume they, you know, I don't think there's one white and one black. You know, they, they got two women and one baby, and they're like, this, they're both saying it's mine. And I mean, I, I, I put myself in Solomon's shoes. How do, how do I find out whose baby? But God gave him wisdom, supernatural wisdom. And Solomon did what I wouldn't think to do. Solomon said, you know, bring me the baby. Let me have it. And he calls one of his guys, bring the sword over. We're going to cut it in half, and you guys both get half. Okay? Fair? Fair? And the woman whose child it wasn't said, okay. And the woman who was the real mother said, no, no, don't do that. And he said, ha ha, now I know who it is. He, he just, I'm like, wow, what wisdom. And, and we see the glimpses of this in scripture. God said, look, he is just, he is true. He is just, he is fair. And they're worshiping him because finally things are being righted. Wrongs are being righted for true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged her blood on his servants shed by her. And so this corrupt, wicked system that we've been looking at, this satanically run world system, um, religious and, you know, commercial that persecuted God's kids, killed even some of his saints. They're saying now, God, you're finally avenging our blood. Here's the thing. They didn't see it on earth, though, did they? They went through it on earth. They died on earth. They're seeing it now. They're seeing it later. I got to take hope in this because this teaches me now, I'm not, I don't have any hope in this earth, in this world. 
Um, so I won't be disappointed. When I see bad things happen in this world, I don't go, I can't believe that's happening. I see bad things happen and I'm like, yeah, it's the world. Bad things. I see bad people do bad things. I'm they, the bad guy did a bad thing again. And, and then, you know, then we see bad people do bad things and get away with it. And it's like that bad dude did the bad thing. We all saw him did the bad thing and he got away with it. Did he get away with it? Really? No, no. If you think that the guy at the courthouse is the judge, he got away with it. But if you realize that the judge is sitting way higher than any court, ain't nobody got away with nothing. You neither. Right. And so I, I think some people we need to be we need to stop worrying about whether they're going to get theirs and make sure that your sins are forgiven. Make sure that you, you got a date with the judge, too, sir, ma'am. And so you want to make sure that you're going to be OK when you get there. It says in Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed to man once to die. And after this, the judgment. And so sometimes we can be so focused on everybody else, what they're going to get theirs. And um, and wondering and, and not not really have taken into account. What about you? How will you fare when you stand? Before? That ought to be our main concern. I just need to make it. I need to know that I'm forgiven. That my sin, that I'm not going to stand before the judge guilty uh, in that day. And so here again, they're worshiping God because he is just he has avenged those who the world and those that have, that have treated his servants poorly on the earth. Verse three now. It says, again, they say, uh, so this is the second time we see the word. Again, they say, alleluia, exclamation point. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And so this time they're, they're pronouncing praise the Lord again. And it says, because her smoke arises forever and ever. Here's the idea. They're not gloating over the, the punishment. They're saying it's over, right? Her smoke arises forever and ever. That means she ain't coming back. That system is never going to be back in play. It's done with. And so here's the cool thing about God's judgment. There's a finality to it. The thing that we look forward to as believers, we hope for a day where we're going to go be with the Lord. Will there be any evil when we get there with the Lord? No. Aren't you glad about that? It won't resurface. You won't mess up. Here's the thing, too. Right. Will you get there? Because all y'all are flawed. Amen. Y'all should have said that a little bit louder. So all y'all are flawed. Amen. All right. All right. Okay. Will you be flawed then? Man, no, your sin nature gone. Whatever weaknesses you battle with now, gone. Whatever imperfections exist within you now, gone. You'll be like him. We'll know even as we're known, we'll have a new nature. We'll be, we'll finally be holy. We're in the process of sanctification. Some of us further along than others, but we ain't done yet. Amen. We'll be done. We'll be with him. We won't mess up and get kicked out, you know. I mean, all these things, God says, I, I, I got it all sorted out for you guys. But they're worshiping God here. They're saying it's forever and ever that this thing that God has dealt with, this thing that we had to deal with on the earth, God says, they're saying, God, we worship you because of the finality to the judgment. It's, it's over. It's, it's their, their smoke arises forever and ever. They're where they're going to be. And we're not going to have to deal with that ever again. And that's something that we can rejoice in. We can rejoice in it in a future sense. While there's wickedness all around us, we can acknowledge because we're reading this book that God says, I'm revealing to you me. I'm also revealing some future things. I can rejoice today. I can have hope today in the fact that there's a time coming where all this broken today will not be broken where I'm going. Amen. It's only true for the believer. So if you're not saved, this is not true for you. For the non-believer, check this out. Whatever you're experiencing on earth, this is the best it will ever be. That is true for every non-Christian. So whatever earth is like, you know, I've heard people say, I, this is hell on earth. 
So, oh, brother, you don't know what hell is. Uh, you know, hell is outer darkness, weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth, fire and brimstone forever and ever and ever with the worm dies not. And your mind is intact. So you're going to know the whole time you in hell, you didn't have to be there. I think the mental anguish of that may rival the physical torment that will be there that you didn't have to be here. I wonder if the non-believer will, will replay the gospel messages that they heard and the invitations that they rejected in forever and ever and ever, right? We get a glimpse in the gospel of Luke of the rich man and Lazarus, and the rich man died without Christ. Lazarus, who had a pretty pathetic life on earth, obviously knew God. He had angelic escort into the present, into Abraham's bosom, paradise of that time, while the rich man died and went immediately into a place of torment. And he said that he was tormented by the flames and he had two requests, right? One, he said, can you have Abraham dip the tip of his finger in water and touch my tongue? What do you think about that? Anybody here ever been so thirsty that you would have let another man put his finger in the water and then touch your tongue? I've never been so thirsty in my life. Never. I don't want to look. I, I might die of thirst before you put your finger in my mouth, right? But that's how that he was tormented in the flame. He said that. That's in the Bible. Then he said, "I got four brothers. Let me go back and tell them." Now he wants to be an evangelist. Now he wants to go tell them that you can't do either one. You don't get to come back. You don't get to be an evangelist. You don't get to get a drink of water. You are in torment. It's forever. And I mean, that's the reality that it, you know, one is escorted to the Lord. One is immediately in torment. And there's a finality to it. The cool thing is those that have been escorted into God's presence is a finality to that. They can rest. Right. When we when people die, we say rest in peace. Right. That's only true if you went to heaven. Those that were laboring, those that were struggling, those that were burdened, those they'll rest then. And as believers, as sad as it is when we when we see people go, we can rejoice in that reality. Right. That for them, they wouldn't want to come back. Uh, if, if you could grab somebody out of heaven, and bring them back, they'd never be your friend again. <laughs> you lost a friend. They might go to hell next time, you know, because you did that. So moving on. <laughs> so verse verse three, again, it says, hallelujah. Her smoke rises forever and ever. And then verse four says, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen. Hallelujah. So here we get another, this is another heavenly glimpse. We got the 24 elders. This is a representation of, of all that have died Old and New Testament and, and gone to be with the Lord. Um, they're there before the Lord. And then we have the four living creatures that we were introduced to earlier, these angelic creatures there. And it says that they fell down. That is the humblest physical position you can do to fall down. Anybody that's never worshiped God fallen, just lay on your, sometime maybe at home or somewhere, you know, just lay down on your face. It's just putting yourself all the way down. We see it many times in scripture. Uh, we can pray in any posture we want. It's a healthy thing sometimes to put our bodies where our hearts need to be and just prostrate ourselves, humble ourselves. They fall down um, before the Lord, it says, and they fell down and they worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Hallelujah. Two things. Um, one, I just want to point out that the the people in heaven, the angels in heaven, they're all they're all seeing it the same way. It doesn't say most of the people did this. Everybody did. Everybody in heaven felt the same way. Everybody, when they saw the one that's seated on the throne, everybody is having the same response. Everybody is just hit the deck. 
and let's worship the Lord. So when the Bible says, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? I got to get these glimpses of heaven and say, God, put this in my heart on earth. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Revelation, this book is entirely fascinating, if not a little bit confusing. But don't get distracted by all the strange things mentioned and lose sight of the fact that Jesus is showing himself in a mighty way through this book. The description of Jesus in this book sounds like some fierce, ultimate superhero, someone you would want to follow but might be a little afraid of too. But Jesus is coming to redeem a broken world. Some of the ways God will go about doing this may not be fully understandable from our perspective, but that's okay. It's still worth studying and eagerly anticipating the fact that He's coming to make all things new. What a relief. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from our Revelation series, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call 310-245-4811. Once more, that phone number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of Revelation. We look forward to our next edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill. Make sure you tune in for the upcoming message as you're sure to learn more from this intriguing book of the Bible here on A Transforming Word.